Milner. Can he tee up someone in red? And he goes towards Lundgren. Hello and welcome back to the Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have Logan Stump. What's going on? And Matt Hartgrove. Hey there. And we are breaking down the weekend's games here. Uh, that was on, uh, what, the 11th uh, through the 13th. Um, there was enough. Was there a Friday game? No, there was not. Yeah, there was. I thought there was. No, there was. Oh, 11. Sorry. I was off. I was off that day. So it it felt like a weekend to me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so let's get into that Friday game first here because we got a lot to get to. So uh, no chit chat. Let's get into it. Leeds versus West Ham. uh, Six minutes in. uh, It's a penalty to Leeds United. Klitsch scores it, makes it 1 0. Thomas uh, Socek. Uh, Thomas Socek scores in the 25th minute to make it 1-1. One one. And then in the 80th minute, um, Ogbonia, Ogbona, did I say it right? Ogbona? Scores for West Ham to give them the 2-1 victory. Ogbona. Ogbona, okay. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Uh, Leeds 1, West Ham 2 is how that finished. When we look at the stats... Leeds had a majority of the possession. West Ham still had a majority of shots, and they end up winning the game two to one. Um, Logan, any thoughts here on uh, on West Ham, who's been doing well? They're in up to sixth place now uh, on in the league. Yeah. So the stats haven't changed. I know one stat hasn't changed. I know that I saw because um, I was doing some research before this, but uh, West Ham has scored the most goals on set pieces this season, and Leeds have been notorious since Bielsa has been at Leeds for giving up goals on set pieces, and actually 44% of goals that have come against Leeds, Championship and Premier, have been from set pieces, so he clearly struggles to get any kind of defense on the set pieces, and if you watch the second goal, it's really like the first goal is a pretty decent pass in the second goal uh, for them. It's just uh, West Ham puts it up nicely and there's nobody back there to try to defend. Um, I forget who scored the second goal. Um, Ogbonna. Um, yeah. Ogbonna. And he, I mean, he heads it in pretty easily. Um, but I, again, I we're in this kind of weird moment for Leeds. I think that, They really need to start putting some defensive effort uh, into their side because if they don't, they're going to find themselves down there fighting for relegation again. So that's just the the thoughts that I had, that that Leeds just really does seem to be struggling. And it's not not good for their 
outlook if they if they continue to not be able to to defend really anybody. Matt, any thoughts on uh, Leeds or West Ham on this? Uh, I do not actually. I didn't get to watch any of the game. <clears throat> um, but yeah, uh, in in terms of trying to keep it quicker, I don't have anything for this game. Awesome. All right. Uh, moving on uh, here, we have Wolverhampton nil, Aston Villa one. This was the Saturday seven thirty uh, a.m. game. Lots happening in this, even with the low scoreline here. We have uh, a red card for Douglas Louise, his second yellow in the eighty-fifth minute. Then we get a penalty. Anwar El Ghazi uh, scores at ninety plus four minutes. That gives. Aston Villa the lead, and then Jao Moutinho gets a red card, second yellow, in the 90-plus fifth minute. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. Uh, Aston Villa, they destroyed Liverpool earlier in the season. They're still hanging in that 10th range. Wolverhampton, you know, had a decent year last year up into the, like, 8th or ninth spot. They're at 13th. Um, any thoughts on, on this match and... If you think that the uh, you know that Aston Villa was the better side uh, for the season so far, I, I think in terms of the season, it's it's almost kind of hard to think whether either the squads are are stronger than the other one. I think it's hard mainly due to Wolves to me are the better team, but at the moment with Jimenez out for. I mean, you got to assume for the year just to get everything to ensure he's healthy with what happened to him with the fractured skull. I think losing him is going to be such a big key to their season and how they respond, whether they do something maybe here in January coming up. Um, Because I do still feel they are the better team. I think managerial-wise, I love Nuno. Um, They always, to me, are one of the hardest teams Liverpool plays every year. Uh, mainly that's when I watch them during a normal season this year. I've definitely gotten to watch them more, and I, I love some of their pieces with Podence. Um, I think he's a huge, huge talent. But at the same time, without Jimenez, I think Villa probably are looking like the better team. Um, I love how Ali Watkins has played for them. I think he's been a huge signing, which is something I kind of didn't really expect. I didn't think he would be playing as well as he has. Um so I, I, it's it's hard to see here. I know stats-wise, you can even kind of see the Wolves probably played as though they should be winning this game. Um, but Villa have found a way this year. Grealish has definitely turned Villa around to a point where you're not worried about relegation and maybe you're, you're looking at the lower-end Europa places if things continue to go right. And I think... As a Villa fan, you got to be pretty excited about how they've played as a team and what could possibly happen this year. But I think both these teams are, are pretty safe in the mid-table, and they just need some things to either go right or get things going a little bit more, maybe with a, a fresh signing in January, you know, more so attack-wise for Wolves, but maybe more defensively for Villa. I, I do think they could probably use a little stronger maybe in the midfield defensively. Um, but... You know, I, both these teams, they, they're safe. It's just a matter of what can they do here in January to, to keep things going for them. Logan, any thoughts here on uh, Villa or Wolves? 
Yeah, Villa's in an interesting spot with two games in hand. They've got 18 points. If they win both those matches, they, they're 24 points. They're right up against Leicester, and depending on goal differential, could have been in third place. Um, they had a real rough November, had a great start to the season. And, you know, I think that, again, I think what Matt said, I think that Aston Villa probably trending better um, just because Wolves, I think, uh, they'll really struggle without Jimenez. Uh, I, I just think that, uh, you know, without a prolific striker like he can be at times, I think they're going to have a real tough time scoring because I don't think Fabio Silva can really do much in that spot. So it, it, they're going to need some kind of signing in January, whether it's a loan deal or something for an attacker. I just don't see Wolves having much of an attack. All right. Uh, moving on here, uh, we have the next match, which was Newcastle versus West Brom. Newcastle United took a 2-1 victory, got all three points. One of the fastest, I think it was the fastest goal in the season so far, and the second fastest Premier League goal in history. Former Atlanta United playmaker Miguel Almiron scores to make it 1-0. Uh, uh, then we get to halftime in the 50th minute. Darnell for uh, Forlong scores to make it 1-1. And Dwight Gale, the former Crystal Palace man, scores to make it uh, 2-1 in the 82nd minute. Newcastle all the way up now to 12th. Uh, with a game in hand still that they have from that canceled game due to the COVID issues, Aston Villa is only still at 10 games because uh, they have two games in hand because their game against Newcastle was the one that canceled, plus they had the one earlier in the season uh, that was canceled the first week. So um, just that's a reminder there. But Newcastle in 12th uh, with 17 points as they beat West Brom, who is still in the relegation uh, zone here. Any thoughts on this one, Logan, here? Newcastle, uh, I'm very happy Miguel Almiron scored. Uh, Like I said, former Atlanta United player. He was very fun to watch in MLS. Uh, uh, I know some of the fans there are really taken to him in Newcastle, but I do know the club might be looking to move on. Uh, it just wasn't a good fit in the sense of Newcastle is never one of those teams that's going to play the style of, of football that works best for him. And as a South American uh, um, fancy style football type play, it just doesn't really correlate to Newcastle. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're doing this without uh, St. Maximin. So it's like, you know, I think St. Maximin is easily their best player. And I think that doing it without him, playing pretty well, sticking around that mid-table. And it's so weird because I haven't read that story before um, the season started this year and on all the stuff that was going on with the buyers or potential buyers. If they got money, it would be so much fun to, to watch them kind of skyrocket up into the top of that table. Uh, but I just don't think they, – they just don't have enough to, to even get anywhere near – you know, Europe, I don't think. I just think that they've got some pretty average players. Um, but, again, I think it'll just be a matter of can they spend money eventually. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to keep talking about them being mid-table to the lower half. So, not much to really say about them. 
Uh, Matt, anything on Newcastle or West Brom? Uh, West Brom, like I said, still in the bottom there. They were one of my picks to get relegated, and so far that is uh, still the case. Still, uh, still unfortunately happening uh, that way for them. Yeah, and I, I think in a game like this, while <clears throat> Newcastle are the better side, these are the probably the types of games West Brom need to try to get a point or more out of. Because um, when you look at the table, I mean, it is it is setting up to be very top-heavy, it seems. Um, especially when you look at the bottom well, bottom five. I'm not going to include Arsenal in this because I'm, I'm going to be friendly with them all, all podcast. Um, but you look at the bottom five, I guess Brighton, you know, you get 10, 9, 8, 6, 1. And then after that, everybody's got 13 or more. And I, you just kind of have to look at those bottom five teams and then kind of look at the next five that they face, which is Arsenal, Leeds, Wolves, Newcastle, Palace. Those are probably the games that those teams in the bottom five, you know, such as West Brom, they need to get a point out of or, you know, they can try to get a win out of it to get all three to maybe set themselves apart from the other four. Um, so losing to Newcastle, even though Newcastle is a better team, West Brom clearly, you know, it's a game that they would like to win to get a point, maybe, at, you know, in a draw to get them out of there. But, it, you know, they just probably are not the type of team that's going to end up surviving, <laughs> uh, surviving the year, um, especially that goal differential. Minus 16 is not good. Um, they are the worst defensive team with 25 and only the third best offensive team with nine goals. And that's just not going to do it. Um, so it's, it's a game as a fan, you would hope to, you know, you look at it and go, we could get a point out of it. And when you don't, you just kind of start to see maybe what the reality is going to be for the year. All right. Uh, yeah, I think West Brom is just, you know, it's getting to a point where I really feel like, as we'll talk about when we get to the relegation zone, really flipping between Burnley and Fulham for that for that last spot because West Brom and Sheffield, I feel like, are just getting more and more doomed uh, as we go. And West Brom has Manchester City next, uh, to, so that's not, uh, it's not looking great uh, for them in that I'm instance. I'm sure that'll go well. I was gonna say that. Well, that I mean, I wouldn't say that much. We hell, we can't score goals, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you can score goals against the uh, bottom teams. You you scored against uh, Burnley. You scored against Fulham. I mean, you're you're bound to win that game about three four nil. Score against Liverpool. Yeah, but that doesn't count. All right. Speaking of City, though, it is Manchester City facing off against Manchester United. And uh, everybody was hyped for this. We predicted this, and it did not go well at all. Um, Logan, your thoughts here. Uh, you, you can uh, we, we can spend some time on this one, if you would like, uh, to really lay into what happened and why, uh, you know, Four shots total, I, I believe it was, between both teams, um, really makes it look not not so great uh, for the Manchester Derby. On a, and uh, I thought, you know, maybe Manchester United had a shot here, um, 
but uh, the way that both of these teams really played, I, I feel like, uh, is unfortunate with how much attacking these teams could have. Yeah, this wasn't like, I, I mean, this had nothing to do with, uh, at least I, from from the eyes test, it had nothing really to do with, I, I don't think the players were tired or spent. Um, I mean, I, I know there's a couple games throughout the weekend that, you know, a couple of the announcers or writers had said something about players being spent but th- this was more just i mean united's inability to attack too and in city not, not being able to score goals it was like a perfect storm for just a really boring game and, and it was i mean it the whole way through i just never felt and, I, and honestly in the first half united felt like they were actually going to score um before city was um and, but you know again i i keep harping on it just because i, I i'm not i'm not convinced that uh, Gabriel Jesus is the answer. I don't think that, it, you know, it, people always talk about, could he possibly replace Aguero if Aguero leaves? And you can you can see the writing on the wall that if we don't have Aguero or somebody of that caliber, City's going to have a hard time scoring. And I think part and due to the fact that Silva's not here anymore, and, and when you take a lot of the onus off of De Bruyne, it, it helps him because... Again, Fred, you know, he marks him the whole game. He's in the areas in which De Bruyne likes to navigate. And all you have to do is camp into those spots and you're just not getting anything in the open play. And, you know, runners not getting in behind defenders. Um, Sterling's not going to, you know, Sterling can create and he gets goals off of different chances and opportunities that he gets. But he's not somebody that's going to create his own chances. And, and Jesus is just not in form at all. Um, Riyad Mahrez was horrible. Uh, I mean, it's just... The list just goes on and on, and it's. It, I think it's a matter of can City find somebody that can get out there in attacking play that can that can score goals, and I think it'll ultimately be a can Aguero come back healthy and stay healthy for the rest of the year? Because if not, and if City doesn't buy somebody in January or get somebody in there in attacking, um, I could see them struggling to to fight for you know, top three or four, it's, it's been really rough to watch just because, I mean, there just seems to be no goals coming from anybody that, that we expect goals to come from really. Matt, uh, any thoughts here on either of the Manchester teams here? Logan, uh, kind of covered the, uh, city side. Anyway, any thoughts on, uh, United, uh, you know, Bruno had been, turning it on recently is there anything about bruno fernandez at all in, in this match i in nothing really specific i i do think i know logan kind of said that it didn't seem as though you know there was a bit of fatigue or maybe the run of games but i i do think what you're noticing or maybe it's just these top teams or top considered teams or are so well coached that these games are in a way, kind of turn every big game, it seems like, has been somewhat of a snooze fest, if you, if you haven't noticed. You know, like, Liverpool City was fun for, like, 30 minutes, and then I'm I'm pretty certain Klopp and Pep could have looked at each other and went, you know what, let's just go home. Like, you know, it, it, the game was, it, it became slightly, it became dull as time went on. You know, Chelsea, Man United didn't really have much flair. Um, every... You know, this game too, it just it seems like both these teams are either so well coached and matched that they couldn't really get on top of each other, or maybe these teams that are playing in Europe constantly 
have kind of when they face each other, there's just this bit of heavy legs going on and they just can't keep up the entire 90 minutes. You know, obviously they have games against some of the lesser teams that don't have Europe, but at the same time, you know, they, they kind of ramp up just a little bit to make sure they get the result they need. And then they face these bigger games where the teams just seem so evenly matched for these teams at the top that could it just be that they understand where they've kind of been, what they've been doing, how many games they've been playing, and they just don't, they don't really put full throttle on for for these games. Um, I don't know, it's just something I've noticed with these these high level games that have been kind of hyped up. Usually, there's one a week, and by the end of it, everyone's going, "Wow, we we expected like four goals, crazy back and forth," and then in the end, they're like, "Hey, what time does uh, what time does the derby start?" I know that was like a big joke on Twitter during the um, after the game with people joking like, "Oh, what time does the Manchester Derby start?" Because it just some of these big these bigger games have failed to live up to the hype this year for some reason, and I don't know if it's because they're playing so many games. Could be. Could it could have something to do with that? I guess. Um, I didn't get to. I got to see like the second half of the Manchester Derby, and it was uh, kind of a very uh pitiful uh performance i would say it was total four shots on target is what it was uh, there was 11 shots from united nine shots from city um and then two shots on target for each so uh, you know those other shots are probably way out shots that are not really consisting of much and when you look at the quality of these teams uh it is unfortunate that we didn't get some goals, um, but not that it wasn't just goals. It wasn't really exciting. I feel like uh, you know, uh, yes, you can have all these shots, you know, eighteen, twenty shots, but when you only have four on target, that means that there isn't even a lot of action, right? Like the goalkeepers not are are not even really being forced to make any saves uh, to make it an interesting match, and. Uh, for me, looking at the table, City's got to turn it on at some point. You know, they got one game in hand, but they are six points back of first, and they are still four points back of fourth. And uh, it seems like they, they, they are losing ground constantly when they should be making up that ground. Manchester United is actually still seating above them, and they each have a game in hand, but Manchester United has one more point than them. And has a much better form in the last five games. Manchester United have four wins and one draw, um, which is the City draw. And, you know, uh, Manchester City have that loss to Tottenham uh, from a few weeks back. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I guess we'll see how it goes. But uh, I think we're starting to see that maybe City and United don't really have what it takes to win the league. Both of those teams might get near the top four, but I'm starting to think less and less that they have a a good shot uh, city. And uh, at that point, I, I just wouldn't understand why Pep would stay when they just seem to be getting worse and worse each year underneath of him. Uh, any thoughts on that, Logan, at all before we move on? Yeah, I'm tired of him, but you you know that. And uh, I... I... I get what City fans are saying, but again, it goes back to the thing. When has he proven 
And Matt sent a nice tweet that, like, he's beaten teams that he should beat. And if he doesn't beat, he'd have been out of a job three years ago. Like, I don't get, like, I don't get the fascination with him. And they think that he's, like, this god. And he better have, he better have like, a Messi in his back pocket in January or a Holland in his back pocket in summer or next summer. Something amazing needs to happen because this team is as flat. And, and with Aguero getting old, I mean, it's... They're starting to crumble. There's nothing there. They can't get. They're not going to get goals from Sterling like they want. I mean, it's just not going to happen. He can't do it by himself. And Mars is too far up and down, up and down. But again, I'm I'm tired of the Pep circus. I I, I get it. He's got a legacy that he had coming from other places, but he's never had that legacy at Man City. All right, moving on to the next depressing match of the day. Uh, Everton won, Chelsea nil. Uh, you know, just when I was like, maybe I should stop picking Everton to win these games, they go out and show that they can beat a top team in Chelsea, just much to my dismay. Uh, 22 minutes in, it's a penalty. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson scores it and makes it 1-0, and that's uh, that's the match action right there. Um, Chelsea had 72% possession to, to Everton's 28, had 10 shots to their nine. But when we look at shots on target again, Chelsea with three, Everton with four. Um, and that, that's the, you know, plus it was a, you know, I guess not really shots on target doesn't really matter when it's a penalty, but uh, you still have to put it on target and you still have to score it. And, uh, unfortunately it's one of those things where I, I you know, this offense is is has potential and everybody's judging it off of the potential. You guys keep telling me it has the best potential, but right now it just hasn't really figured it out. Uh, and this is why for me, Chelsea really stands no no chance at winning the league is because they would have to turn this on and we're about to get to a part now where we get to the Christmas games and there's what, like 70 some games between like now and Christmas, I think is what they said on NBC. Yeah, it is. Yep. Which is a lot. Uh, it's always a lot, but I think it's more this year due to everything. Uh, but for me, you know, Chelsea's in fifth right now. They're at 22 points. They're still only three points back from Tottenham and Liverpool. But when you're losing against uh, teams like Everton, that Liverpool and Tottenham are either drawing or winning, then it, you know it's 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 frustrating and it's becoming a lot less likely that uh, they have a real a real shot and don't forget they uh, you know they they drew with West Brom early in the year a team that you know Aston Villa or what right Aston Villa had dispatched them or no Newcastle had dispatched them two to one so you know. Uh, Chelsea has to worry about injuries as well. Pulisic, you know, they're just being cautious with him. He's apparently in the squad for tomorrow's match. Um, and uh, Zayek is out now. Uh, I think there was one other person that is out. I, I can't re- recall right now. Uh, so some of that offense is, is taking a hit that way as well. Um, but Logan, thoughts on Chelsea or Everton, whichever one you want to give us the give us some thoughts on here yeah i don't really ever have thoughts about everton um so i'm gonna pick chelsea <laughs> um i i think that i i really would i think you're, you're right jordan there there is some cause for concern because obviously injuries are going to be a big thing this year 
and have been for every team. I, I would like to see Havertz start to figure out more. I haven't seen anything from him that would give me hope as a Chelsea fan. And, and I know that he's picked to be like the star child of the ones that you got in the transfer. But again, I I really would like to see Havertz start to play well. Um, I think that's a big difference in what you see in Chelsea. If he starts playing well um, with the guys that, and I mean, Zayic had played really well. Um, Pulisic, if he could stay healthy, could get into form. Um, and I think part of your problem is you don't have that. I mean, I don't trust Tammy Abraham at all. Um, when he sits up front, and then the one other player that I think that's been decent lately lately has been Giroud, and I don't, you know, I don't know if he's there much longer. So uh, it's interesting, and I like what Lampard said after the game. He said, "We're not a good team until we win something. So don't call us a good team until we've done something to show you that we are a good team." So he kind of backs up what you're saying that he wants to see it first before he starts claiming that they're a good team. Matt, any thoughts here on uh, Chelsea or Everton? <clears throat> Oof. Um, honestly, watching the game, I, I still think Chelsea were a much better team. I just think in terms of what happened, I think Mendy's mistake just was one step ahead of anything Pickford really did. Pickford just, he makes some great saves, but man, there's a good two to three decisions a game where I wonder wonder how you can get away with that in a professional sport, um, especially when I know Mount got close to, to tying it up. I think it was like early on in the second half, maybe, or maybe it was late in the first where it just is such a bad play by Pickford and he got lucky Mount hit the crossbar. Um, but I, I guess I, I still think when looking at Chelsea's team, I still feel they're head and shoulders better than majority of the teams in the premier league you know maybe this is the type of year where i don't think you have obviously you don't have to be perfect to win the title because every team pretty much in the top 10 probably still has a realistic shot but in the top 10 chelsea's better than 70 80 percent of them without a doubt with their team um i just think they do. It would be nice if they could prove to win a game against a somewhat big side. Um, I, I do think that's a little concerning, but at the same time, I still think this is a game where normally I don't think they have an issue winning. I just think there's some unlucky, unlucky bounces of the ball. Really, you know, I felt like Chelsea had pretty good control of it, and Everton still just are not impressing. You know, they got one play where Mendy comes out and hits Calvert Lewin. Um, which it, it was a bad play. I honestly didn't think Mendy could make such a, a mistake. It looked very Keppel-like. But in the end, it just it the result didn't change, I, th- I think, either perception for me on either team. I still think Chelsea are much better than Everton are just kind of hanging around. Um, you know, they're going to put in some good performances against bad teams, and, you know, they might get lucky and get a win like this one, but... I think at the end of the day, Chelsea are still clearly the better team, and I just nothing changed for me for either of those teams watching this game. All right, moving on to Southampton versus Sheffield United. Southampton smash it 3-0. Uh, Shea Adams, 34 minutes in. Stuart Armstrong, 62 minutes in. And 83 minutes in, Nathan Redman, uh, assisted by former Chelsea man, Oriol Romeo. Uh, so uh, Southampton continue their climb. They're up to 
fourth, which may have been where they were last year, uh, last week. I, they may have been fifth. I thought. I think Chelsea was in fourth. Um, but uh, they're doing well. Sheffield still with just the one point, and now they've caught up to that goal differential of West Brom. West Brom had a higher, had a lower. Goal dif- yeah, lower goal differential, negative 16, and now Sheffield is at negative 16 as well. They've only scored five goals and have given up 21. Um, Logan, uh, which perspective do you want here, the Southampton or the Sheffield? I'll take the Sheffield or the Southampton because I know Matt likes to talk about Sheffield. Um, and I think that Southampton... When I look at them, I am actually really impressed with what they what they are able to do. They defend really well. Like they they play really good defense, um, just kind of solid. And they're always going to score. I mean, they've got so many attacking threats with Che Adams, with Danny Ings, um, with uh, Ward Prowse. Like I, I think that they've got so many different options, and they're actually really impressive. Just because I think that when you look at it, I think they actually are comparable to Leicester. I, I think. They kind of have that same mold where they can hit you from the midfield. They can hit you from I can see that. Get, getting out in front with like Vardy does. Um, Jay Adams kind of like what Yossi Perez does. And, and you know, I, they're just so impressive um, with the things that they're able to do. And I, I do. I think that they're well coached. I think that they, they're real physical. Um, they're really hard to beat at home. Um, so anybody that goes into there um, just have a real tough time with them. Um, I'm really, really impressed with Southampton, and I hope that they can keep it up because I think that they could make a solid run in Champions League top four this year because I do think that they have the team. Um, it's just a matter of can they beat some of the bigger guys, um, which time will only tell You know if they can get a hold of some of them. Last season, they finished with 52 points, uh, which was the team's highest total since 2015-2016. And uh, Hazen Hoodle was named Manager of the Month for July of 2020, and they've uh, he he's been continuing that. I, I think they can maybe surpass those 52 points. I mean, if we look at it already in the season, they're at 23. Uh, they should be able to get 30 more points out of the next. I mean, all that's left is 26 games or so, right? So, I think that's doable uh, for them to get that. And surpass it, but I guess we'll we'll see. They have Arsenal up next, who's in the uh, you know relegation battle <laughs> pretty much. So maybe <laughs> Southampton can even get another three points, <laughs> another three points there. Um, uh, Matt, your thoughts on Sheffield United uh, and you know again their fall from grace from last season and how <laughs> what how to fix it? Uh, I. I don't think you really can. I, I really don't. Just looking at their their team, not only do they not score, but they line up so defensively. I'm not even sure what they're expecting to get out of these games besides maybe a, a gritty nil-nil draw or maybe like a 1-1 if they get a penalty. They're playing five at the back. There's just <clears throat> the team, It their setup is not, their setup is so like safe and defensive that if they get behind it, the game's problem. The game's over once they get behind. I don't see how this team could come back and look at the fact that they had zero shots on goal. Again, there it's not even that they're missing opportunities. They're not even creating opportunities. And 
I just, I just don't see how it's going to get any better. There's This is one of the most open years in the Premier League. Teams are their teams scoring for fun. You, you can look at it. Their majority of these teams, besides, it looks like Arsenal, Wolves. Arsenal and Wolves are the only two that have double digits that are, are like really struggling, you feel like, to score goals at moments. But everybody else is, is up there. 15 for Brighton, 17 for Leeds. 18 for Palace, they're notoriously not the highest scoring. They're not a high scoring side, notoriously, but they have 18 goals. And that even that puts them toward the lower half of a year where generally that would probably put them toward the upper half. Teams are scoring easily, and Sheffield sit here with five goals 12 games, five goals. That's on average, I believe, we're, we're under a goal a game. Well, obviously, it's under a goal game. I think it's yeah, under like. Well, under. What is it? It's less I'm than half, right? Because like, if you got twelve, say, yeah, that's six is half. Yeah, it yeah you're you're less than half. Yeah, they're not even. So I, I just, I, I part of me, you know, I I hate to see it because they were such a fun story last year, but at the same time, they're just not they're not doing anything to. I can't give you confidence. It's gonna it's it's gonna change. You know, Chris Wilder has to. He has to take some risks here at this point. You're gonna have to realize what you're doing isn't working. And what what was the what's the saying? It's like isn't it Einstein or something? So somebody says, um, "What's doing something over and over again, expecting doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results?" What's that? Um, that's a quote by somebody. Very smart. It is a quote famous. by somebody. Yes, I'm not I sure. I'm not sure who is attributed um, to. Uh, but I, I mean, at this point, what I, I feel like, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose if you're Sheffield? You know, you you have five goals in twelve games. You have zero wins. You're you have one draw, eleven losses. The next most losses is eight by two teams that just came up from the championship. That's, I mean, that that's crazy. That you have three more losses than teams that just came up from the championship that are also having the same issues defensively, but they're at least scoring something. You know, West Brom scored three goals in one game. I think Sheffield, if they scored two in a game, and even their entire fan base would probably lose it and start throwing parades in the streets at this point. I just think he's he's got to make a big change. He's got to take a risk. Or I, it would, I don't want to say they are going to break the Derby County record, but if they keep doing the same thing, throwing out that same lineup, I, I think it's inevitable. So I looked it up. I looked up the quote. Um, everybody attributes it to Einstein, but there's no proof he actually said this. And some people think it may have actually first appeared in a Narcotics Anonymous pamphlet in 1981. Uh, so I shouldn't know what I'm reading. Never mind. Sorry. Not that's okay. People always share that stuff, and, and it's wrong. Um, so there you go. I looked it up trying to figure out who really said it, and nobody knows. Uh, Sheffield fans are going to need narcotics. <laughs> <laughs> what did we just say about being nicer? Uh, yeah, get, but they're going to be uh, relegated. I said Arsenal. So we're not a championship That's podcast. True. We should. We should have one. Uh, I'm that just kidding. I got so much work up on <laughs> these other ones. Um but for this, uh, what uh, what are the chances here of Chris Wilder uh, getting let go? No, oh, he's got to be done. Like 
if you keep him around at this point, you're basically turning your fan base and saying, we're okay being relegated because that's exactly where they're headed. They're on pace for three points. Three. Like, three and a half is, like, the amount of points right now if they keep, like Matt said, if they keep par on what they're doing. He's got to go. Like, at this point, you've got, and this is the time of year that they normally would let people go, this December time frame. So, he's got to go. Yeah, I'm on the opposite end. I actually don't think they're going to get rid of him. I, I think with everything he did for them and just how crazy the season is, something it just feels like such an odd season to, to let go a manager that in a way is kind of like a, a hometown hero for the, for the, the fans of this team and Sheffield big and with their fans. You know, that's I, I've watched, I know I watched a documentary or it was, it was some sort of short little documentary somewhere. I want to say it might've been on NBC or it could have been on, um, I'm pretty certain it was, but they're, they're so big with their fans and it's such a small, it's such a small thing. It's very Bournemouth like, where, you know, they're so big into who's on their team and with Wilder being, you know, I, I do believe he is a hometown um, a hometown manager. He, I just don't see him doing it. I, I think the only way he gets, gets canned is if they struggle next year in the championship. I, I think he would have to start off really poorly, and then at that point they have to go, okay, well, you, know, you did everything you could. You brought us to the Premier League. But at this point, we're we're not even getting out of the championship. It looks like I think it's it's probably time we part ways. But I don't think he let, gets let go this year. Yeah, I think maybe at this rate with him, uh, the survival is 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 probably not going to happen. That at this rate, uh, you may keep him and hope that you you bounce up uh, with how well he did in the uh, championship. A few seasons ago, if Adam Gase, if Adam Gase can survive an zero <laughs> sixteen season somehow, then I think Chris Wilder is going to survive this. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, but this is not a Jets podcast or a AFC East, so I was going to ask you a question about that, but we'll save it for after the show. <laughs> uh, Crystal Palace won, Tottenham. One, Harry Kane scores again, makes it one nil. Twenty three minutes in, assisted by none other than Son. Uh, 81st minute, Jeffrey Schlupp scores to make it 1-1, and that is all she wrote here. Um, Tottenham had 57% possession to Crystal Palace's 43. Crystal Palace had 16 shots to Tottenham's 14. Shots on target uh, went to Spurs with 6 over Palace's 5. Most of the passing uh, stats went towards Tottenham as well. Uh, so we'll start with you again, Logan, here. Tottenham sit pretty at the top. Uh, they're tied with Liverpool technically here on points, but goal differential has Tottenham in first. Are they the favorites now to win the Premier League in the 2020-2021 season? I think at this point, yeah. I, I think looking at them, they surely have figured out the defense, which has been kind of a hit or miss with them, I think. Uh, and especially early on, they struggled a little bit. But I think they've hit their nice stride with Regulon and 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 Keynes. And I mean, I just feel like they really figured out how to play. Harry Kane is really good. Son's going to score a lot. So is Kane. Um, yeah, I don't see another team right now playing with the kind of form that they did. They've been pretty solid for a couple of weeks here. Um, so I think that, and that's saying a lot in the Premier League, um, if they have a really good December to end, uh, like you said, with all these games coming up, 
I think there's going to be a lot of teams chasing after him. I think Liverpool might be the only one that could catch him. Matt, before we get to you, uh, I want to ask you as well here, and both of you, if you guys want to answer this. If Jose wins with Tottenham, is this not his greatest achievement in uh, in soccer? Because I think Ooh. it is. Uh, I, I think if one. he does, because he, does, he doesn't have the money that he had at Real Madrid, at Chelsea, at Manchester didn't, United. Did, but didn't he win a Champions League with Porto? I know Porto's a, b- a big team, but I feel like... That's true. Well, I would say maybe let's say let's say winning that. Let's say domestically, then like winning a league with with you know, I feel like with a team that was on the cusp in 2016 but got beat by Leicester and seemingly was on the decline here, and he has turned it around to where they might win. Uh, the whole thing. I I think if we're looking at domestically in the sense of a league and not a Champions League, because you're right, the Porto win is probably better. I was getting a little too excited there, but uh, <laughs> I think that this would be like his greatest uh, achievement. Um, because and even then, maybe maybe this still would be because the Champions League are you know like two leg games and that final is a one one game win while this is 38 games of excellence if he wins this uh where he's unseating teams like liverpool and city and you know uh when nobody was expecting that to happen that would be i think still quite the achievement logan your thoughts before we move on to matt uh and his thoughts yeah i was gonna say i think that yeah like with the side that he has um and really when you think about it i mean kane and son really have carry the t- their backs gotta hurt from carrying the team so much on the attack um and, and he's had problems with Dele Alley and he's decided that he's just not going to play him and he's going to be out of there he's got Gareth Bale in his pocket and Gareth Bale I don't know if he'll ever break the side um yeah I, I think that this is really impressive just with some of the struggles that obviously he he's had in the past when he's had teams for this you know second third years uh, I think that yeah definitely I think this is easily by far the the best thing that he's done um to dethrone liverpool if he does to to play in a a time where city and and united are down way below um and can't catch him and in if he can rattle off uh you know a string of five or six games here he could put some real distance between them i think that yeah he's definitely got um manager of the year written all over it i think he's got his best year as a manager overall. I mean, obviously the Porto wins impressive, but yeah, I think domestically in a league, this is this is by far his best because I think they'll they have a good shot at of collecting a lot of points, and I think that he's done a magnificent job with them because I at the beginning of the year I would never have said that Tottenham was going to be a team that teams were going holy crap. So yeah, I'm impressed. And I would say I know that like Chelsea homers are probably going to say. Uh, Chelsea, his time at Chelsea when they won the league back in um, uh, 2000, uh, you know, five and six here, where he just completely, um, I'm trying to find the actual table here, but it keeps scrolling differently. Was that when they had such a, a crazy defensive run? 
Yes. Yeah. Hours? Defensively and uh, yeah, they had uh, 50, 25 clean sheets during that season. Uh, most away wins in a season of 15. Like they, they had a lot of good there, but I, I would say that uh, again, that was during a time where yes, that was Chelsea's like first, you know, first two um, uh, league uh, wins, Premier League wins. But I think unseating with Tottenham when they have this this yeah it's it's definitely not as big as the Leicester win right like the, like the Leicester win is like the de facto like greatest sports moment almost in history with how bad the odds were and the fact that nobody usually wins uh the title by that many um usually win the title with that low of a team but i think that with um the fact is when it comes to tottenham like i said they haven't been spending money that was one of the greatest achievements by Ponch- uh, Ponchettino is you know to get to the champions league final to be close to winning the league and nobody really thought they put them over the top and, you know, Jose's come in and, and transformed it to where Kane is in the best form of his life. Son is probably in the best form of their life. And it's because of the way that they're playing. You know, Kane's sitting a little bit deeper. He's able to springboard Son forward. He's also able to get forward himself. And, and it's just working so well that, yes, while maybe like stats-wise, points-wise, his Chelsea teams will probably be better. But I think when you're going up against the Liverpool team that, that they have Pep at Manchester City um, and how much money they pour into the team, how much money Chelsea just poured into the team, that I think all of that adds up to the greatest achievement for Jose domestically, of course. Uh, again, Leicester is still above that for me, but it, it, it would be, I still think, one of the best achievements in Premier League history as well when it comes to not stats wise, but just looking at how everything has been set up, Matt, your thoughts on crystal palace and Donna. Um, I, I just kind of going off of what you guys said with, with Jose more so, because the, the game itself was a very, it, it felt like a very Jose Mourinho game. They took the early lead and they kind of, I don't know, like he, he has a way of just, figuring out how to get a lead and doing what he can to hold on to it no matter what happens. And, you know, when they need to turn it on at the end, honestly, they probably should have won. Palace's goalkeeper made some insane saves within the last two, three minutes, really, of the game. Probably good three or four saves that easily could have gone in. Um, but Jose, just he, it, I read somewhere, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, I can't remember how... Uh, somebody on Twitter kind of said that this is the exact type of year where a team like a, a Jose Mourinho team is perfect uh, for for any side. You know, they grind out wins against, you know, the big competition. They can get an early lead and just kind of sit back and let you do what you want. And, and grind out gonna, draws every yeah, other, and they, yeah. And, yeah, and, you know, they're not exerting a lot of energy you know, when they, when they do that, you know, they're just, they're kind of, they're absorbing it. Teams are running a rampant on them. I thought Chelsea could have held the ball as long as they wanted in that Chelsea Tottenham game. 
And Jose kind of looked like he went in going, listen, if we get a draw, that's great. You know, if we win, it's going to be because we hit them on the counter. And I, I'm honestly, I'm expecting the Wednesday game against Liverpool to be very similar. I expect Liverpool probably are going to hold lots of possession. And the whole point of that game for Jose is going to be, hey, if we get them on the counter and we get the lead, great. But I'm also okay with us w- taking this as a nil-nil draw. You go to Liverpool, you get a draw. That's really what you kind of have to do to win these things, to win this, to win the league. And in a year like this where so many teams are kind of getting tired, it doesn't really sometimes look like Tottenham is dealing with the same type of heavy legs. And it's because Jose just, he knows how to coach that. He knows how to coach a team to where he just needs you to stay there. And just, it's almost like he's telling them, don't outrun what you can do. We're still going to get points and we're going to keep moving on. And it, it, it does make them dangerous. I, I'm intrigued to see how they play Wednesday because I think if I think a lot of Tottenham fans obviously are, are looking really positive on the year, but if they go to Liverpool and Liverpool, you know, beat them up like they tend to do, I think they're going to be like, well, this was fun while it lasted, but it looks like we're going to kind of end up in that same same path. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think Jose is going to play a very Jose Mourinho game. He's going to hope for, you know, like a Gerard slipping moment where maybe Liverpool make one bad pass and he, you know, take advantage of it and then absorb everything Liverpool can throw at you and get a win or a draw and leave home happy. It's it, it's impressive. And I, I do agree with both of you that this would be domestically, this would be his biggest accomplishment because Tottenham are not Manchester United. They're not Chelsea. They're not Real Madrid. Um, in terms of comparing Premier League to the Portuguese League, they're not Porto. They're not Inter Milan. You know, these are teams that are expected to win their leagues every year. And Tottenham is really not that. So if you can win, it's kind of like what, it's almost like what Pep needs to do. Pep needs to take a team that isn't expected to win their league and prove that he can win with a team that isn't expected to just rail through a a league. You know, they're going to win every game. They're just going to destroy the league. They're going to be annoying. You're going to hate looking at his face. So I feel like that's what Jose does. You know, if you don't have him as your manager, you just hate him because he grinds out wins. Um, So this would easily be the most impressive one. Um, Yeah, and uh, this is his biggest test right now. He's got Wednesday, like you said, Liverpool. And then Sunday is Leicester City, so he that, that's a that's a tough stretch there uh, to really test to see what they do. They've had one loss all season, and it is against uh, Everton, the first match of the season. And I think if they played that again right now, they would probably win that one. Not even close. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it was though. one of those I'm things sorry. where they they took a little little bit to get going, and when they got going, they've been they've been going. Um, all right, moving on from there, uh, we have Fulham versus Liverpool, uh, 25 minutes in Bobby Reed scored for Fulham and 79th minute. Mo Salah scores a penalty to make it one, one, uh, Logan, uh, Fulham put up a pretty good fight here against, uh, against Liverpool uh, but they, with Burnley beating Arsenal, they're still. And Fulham has now dropped down into the relegation zone. Uh, your thoughts on Fulham's uh, match here? 
Yeah, I think the, uh, Fulham played uh, probably as well as he, they could have played Liverpool. Um, and Liverpool didn't really have put much of a fight up. And maybe it had something to do. And, and one of the I got when I got back home today, I was watching some of the highlights, and uh, Tim Howard was talking about how Liverpool was probably looking at the other scores, going, "Okay, well, <laughs> it doesn't really matter what we do here um, as long as we don't drop three. Um, but it did look like they were going to drop three um, because I think I Fulham, swear if, if that's what they did, that's what they did against Villa too. Then because I swear last that's yeah, <laughs> that's, it's really that's, weird. Like it's it's kind of like it's it's mental, it's psychological, it's because hey, I mean I would think Liverpool would have just smashed them no matter what, just because I, I don't think Fulham is anywhere capable of beating them. But man, did they look like they could beat them for seventy some minutes? It was. It's really odd to watch. Um, and, and Robinson Matt, played well. Yeah. Anthony and, Robinson. Yeah, they, they, I mean, everybody did. Uh, Fulham just played really well, um, and they had fans back at Craven Cottage, so they were all sorts of jacked up. Um, it, it was a lot of fun to watch Fulham because there were, I mean, the first 10 minutes, Fulham had a ton of opportunities to take, you know, a bigger lead than they had. Um, and it was just, it was fun to watch the energy behind it. It finally felt like a team was, and again, you know, they're not playing any kind of Europe, European football, but, um, Liverpool just looked like a team that just had been absolutely worn out. I mean, they just look completely just drained from all the injuries and all the time that they have to play in, in Europe and, you know, Klopp and Pep don't seem to really want to rest people midweek. Um, and they complain about not having subs, but then they go and play, all 11 for the whole match or something. Uh, it, it, it is. It's, it's starting to look like some of these bigger clubs are starting to tire out. Um, but Fulham, I mean, this is the kind of game that you got to watch out for because Fulham just came out ready to try to take out the champions. Uh, Matt, give us the Liverpool perspective here. What, what, what went wrong here? And what I, went right, it, I guess. <laughs> It sounds, you know, it sounds odd. I, I don't think watching Liverpool the last three years, I would say this, and I, I remember I said it to Logan very early on in the game, probably within the first five minutes. I said, this is going to be a tough game for Liverpool because you can clearly tell that it, it's a side that, it's the, it's the type of side I don't like watching Liverpool play because Fulham were very, they did very well getting back defensively. They kept pretty much the entire team behind the ball. And their goal was to counter. And, you know, it worked, obviously. They got a goal out of it. This is not a game where I don't think anything went wrong, particularly wrong for Liverpool. I think this is a game where you can see why they signed a player like Thiago. And it's... Not that anything went wrong. It's just they didn't have the right players healthy. If Kato was healthy, because he had got hurt in midweek, if Ox was back and healthy, I know he was on the bench, but you know he just missed three, four months with a knee injury. He has knee issues already. Um, I don't think even coming on, he would have made the type of difference he would have wanted to make. And then obviously the big one being Tiago. Those are midfielders that can break down a team in the middle when a team like this plays against Liverpool. And it's usually, this is why I prefer the open teams that Liverpool play. It's why, you know, they got Leipzig in the champions league draw 
And I'm excited for that because they're an open team, whereas, you know, Atletico and Napoli over the last few years, they're very defensive. Liverpool don't have a team that can, when they're defensive and they lock down Trent and they lock down Robertson, who are their main feeders of the ball into the middle, it's it's just a tough game for Liverpool. And they need something to happen. They need a, a moment where they get a penalty or they need a moment where a player makes just a great run and the pass is just perfect. Um so it, it, it's it's hard to watch those games sometimes because they happen so often. And actually, I, I want to say it could have been James Pierce. I'm not sure. Um, but there was a Liverpool writer today that did come out with an article basically saying this is yesterday was literally why they signed Thiago and Klopp made the board go against their transfer, you know, their normal transfer policy to, to get a player like Thiago for a game like this. And it's just unfortunate he's still hurt. Um, and I, I do think they are in a way tired. I, you know, the fact that midweek it getting Allison and an ox back and then all of a sudden we hit Sunday and Jota's out for eight weeks and Costas is out eight weeks and Keita comes out with an injury and then Matip leaves and you know you're at a point where your two center backs are your top two midfielders now having to play center back because nobody else can play center back because nobody's healthy um you know, I, I don't think Liverpool are doing things wrong in game. I just think they're doing what they can with what they have, and there are going to be limitations. And you're going to see it in games like this. I can tell you when they play Burnley, um, it's going to be like this. <laughs> Burnley always does the same thing. But then when they play teams like Leicester and Wolves, very open, Liverpool know how to attack that. And it, it plays into their plays into their style. So it's, I'm intrigued with Tottenham midweek because Tottenham used to be more so on that end, but with Jose, are they going to be more defensive? And that could definitely throw throw a wrench into Liverpool's home home streak of wins or non-losses, I guess. Moving on to uh, Arsenal versus Burnley here. Um, lots of uh, VAR used in uh, in this match here. Um, Burnley wins and gets. I gotta be uh, nice. I gotta be nice. I gotta be nice. I gotta be nice. I gotta be nice. Gotta be nice. Uh, I'm just <laughs> 58 minutes in a red card for Granite Zaka, uh, Zaka uh, and then 73rd minute uh, an Aubameyang own goal. So there's my uh, there's my pick for Golden Boot. Doing very well. Trying to get on the score. Trying to get on the score sheet. He played. He played really well. Um, just sometimes it happens. Sorry, that's me being nice. <laughs> uh, did you guys see this red card? This is uh, yeah. VAR had to look at it because they didn't. They didn't. Uh, they didn't catch it initially. Was Jaka? Yeah, yeah, Granite Jaka. Um, he he was choking a player. Like he got up and grabbed him by the uh, by the throat, and got sent off when VAR went and reviewed that and saw that he did grab him by the throat there. So he got sent off. Uh, then the own goal uh, for Obama Yang. And uh, I was with my dad when this <laughs> this happened yesterday. And it's just, uh, he, he's he's worried. He's worried they're going to get stuck into this uh, relegation battle for real. You know, not... Maybe, maybe they're in 15. saw like a spider on... Maybe Jaka saw like a spider on the guy's neck and he was just trying to like... Make sure that the spider. You don't have to be that nice, Matt. You can you can grill them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
but they're only uh, they're only five points clear of relegation zone. Luckily for them, Fulham only got the one point, I guess, against uh, Liverpool, or else uh, they would kind of be even more danger here. But Burnley has nine and seventeenth. Brighton has ten, and they're in sixteenth. And then Arsenal still in fifteenth, as they've been for quite a while now, with thirteen points. Uh, not looking so good. Logan, your thoughts on Arsenal and uh, their performance against lowly Burnley? Yeah, I think uh, it was funny because they asked Pep today, like, what he thought of Arteta's struggle. And he's like, you know, I, I think Arsenal will eventually end up in the place that they deserve to end up. And then somebody goes, somebody, one of the writers for City goes, he took all of his, he took, he took Pep's game plan of not being able to score in matches with him. Um, but no, I like, if you look at Arsenal, they're in trouble because it, it uh, like I said last week, I said it, you can't lose to Burnley because now they have Southampton. They've got Everton at Goodison Park, um, which I think Everton might win. And then they go and play City in the Carabao and then Chelsea. They play at Emirates, but uh, at Chelsea, I, I think Chelsea will just absolutely butcher um, every part of that defense. Um, and then they've got Brighton, who at that point in time, um, on December 29th, they might be fighting for relegation, which is crazy to think. Um, they might be far enough, far enough down at that point to where they're in 17th, 18th. Like, <laughs> it, it's pretty dire right now, and I don't know. I'm not sure there's a quick fix. I'm not sure you look out there and go, oh, yeah, we're going to get a lot of goals from not him. <laughs> um, it, it's uh, Obama Yang is pretty much all they have, and they better hope he can start scoring in bunches because I'm seriously, like, I think your dad's right. They might actually be fighting for relegation, and could you imagine, uh, I mean, all hell would break loose if they were relegated. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> that would not be good. Not be good for them. Uh, they're definitely in a tough spot. I think they'll be okay just for how bad Fulham and uh, West Brom and Sheffield have been, that they have a buffer. But if those teams start picking up points, I mean, in their last five matches, Arsenal has one draw, four losses. That's how bad they've been. And when we look at their fixtures, their last win was uh, against... What, what, let me see here. Uh, it's, sh it's showing me all their competitions. I'm just trying to find the league competitions. Uh, it was against Manchester United in November... And before that, it was against Sheffield, who have been really bad. So it it definitely is something to worry about, that you used to be able to beat those teams, and now you're not. And really, I again think this comes down to, look, if, if Grant Shaka is, is choking somebody, I'm not sure who that falls onto. It ultimately falls onto him, of course, because he's taking that action. But I mean... Is it like, the, the, are they not listening to Arteta? I'm sure he's not saying go out there and choke somebody, keep your lose your heads, you know? It, it's probably a bit of frustration building up between all the players. And the fact is, that, you know, Arteta hasn't had to deal with this before. He was Pep's assistant. He's never coached, as we said last week, he's never coached at, like, a uh, actual, like, 
uh, a club before Arsenal. So he doesn't have that experience. Like, you're going to have to learn to keep these people happy. Uh, you know, Aubameyang was threatening to leave. They, he, they, he signed a new deal, and since then he's been unproductive. You know, he looked great in the FA Cup. He looked great in the Community Shield and stuff. But then as soon as he signs that deal, uh, he's ghost. I don't know what it what will happen for Arsenal, and I'm not sure, you know, for Arteta and uh, what the step is. I, I don't know how long they can last with him as as the manager, and I'm not sure who actually fixes it, who they bring in either. I think that this is something deep in the club right now that's uh, that's a problem. Um, Matt, your thoughts at all before we move on? Uh, do you want my nice thoughts or do you want like? You're, no, your legit <laughs> thoughts. Uh, this is roast um, Arsenal day. You're fine. Yeah, there. What a weird day. I thought it was almost Christmas. Um, but uh, they're they're in a lot of trouble. They are, and they're not going to get relegated. They're they're at a point. It's a season where there's no chance. The teams that are getting relegated are clearly the ones in the bottom four or five right now. They're better than those teams, but they there there's nothing there. I I don't see how Arteta can keep this job. I don't see how they need to make they need an overhaul. These players are not they're not very good. <laughs> they they just aren't. And it had me thinking actually for a second, like in terms of you know, obviously you get like the upsets with with low teams be winning. You know, you get the Leicester winning the league. What kind of like it's just kind of like a fun little thought, but like how big of an upset would would it be if Arsenal were to be relegated? Like what kind of ramifications huge. would it, that have? Like that would be ridiculously huge. It, there's to see a team like that end up in the championship. I can't imagine they would survive very well. I'm or they might just you know they might easily win the championship the next year because you know it's still Arsenal, but. It's it's scary to see Arsenal fans have to think that like okay we got to get some points here because we have all these tough games coming up and it's actually it is crazy to think if Liverpool would have lost to Fulham you know they're ten points you know that Fulham would have been on ten points so now you're looking at you know one loss and a Brighton Fulham win to dropping into seventeenth seventeenth place for a team like Arsenal at this point in the year it's a third of the year <laughs> they're on pace right now if they were to keep this this up scoring what 40 points where does that normally end you in the table that's probably putting you somewhere in the 12th to 15th range i would assume maybe maybe a little higher it's just it it's not going to get better i really don't see how they can end up i don't think they're in the top 10 they're not a top 10 team and it's this season is it's it's kind of like a forgotten season for them at this point. If they you said forty points, end. if you if they're on pace for forty, that puts them right where they are right now, fifteenth. If you look at last year's table, last year's table, Brighton had forty one and they finished fifteenth, and West Ham had sixteen and they finished thirty nine. Uh, finished sixteen and they had thirty nine points. A team like Arsenal, if they end up in fifteenth, there's zero percent chance that who ends the year on that team will be on the team next year. There will be, it's like, it will be a wholesale change. You're going to see multiple coaches gone. You're going to see multiple players 
partially because they're just going to try to change something up. But also there's, there's players on that team that aren't going to want to play for a team in zero type of, you know, European football. If they can't win either the FA Cup or Carabao, they'll probably beat City in the Carabao Cup. And then everyone's going to go, Arteta's crazy. You know, the man just doesn't know how to lose in the Carabao Cup or doesn't know how to lose in the FA Cup. And then you watch him in the league going, does he know how to teach a guy how to score a goal that isn't into the other team's net? Because that's how it's going at this point. It's it's bad and it's not going to get better. So here's here's... Arsenal, when you were asking how big of a story, Arsenal getting relegated would be a bigger story than I think Leicester winning the league, okay? Because Arsenal has not Easy. been relegated yeah. from the Premier League since, since uh, well, you know, since the Premier League was founded. When we look at the first division, they were not relegated since the 1912-1913 season when they were known as Woolwick Arsenal. Uh, and... They uh, came back up in the 1919-1920 season and has never been back down there, unlike some of these teams like City and Chelsea and uh, so that have kind of, even in like the 80s and stuff with Chelsea in the lower division and coming back up. uh, Manchester City was in the lower division not that long ago, early 2000s, I think. So, I mean, that would be huge. Uh, here's something from Arteta back in November, okay? November 28th, just a few weeks ago. He says, it'll take a few windows to at least challenge the Premier League and to establish yourself to compete at the level of certain clubs in this league, which is nearly 100 points, it takes time. I understand it takes time. Your goal is not to compete right now. Your goal is to stay in the league and get near the top near the top not compete for the title but you should be doing a lot better than 15th uh and uh i mean we're at the point now where you know they're at the worst start they've ever had in the premier league era they have four wins right now with one draw and seven losses they to to almost get turned around you have to they have to look at the i mean Obviously, Klopp is a diff, you know, I think has better pool than Arteta. But at the same time, look at how he turned Liverpool around. He didn't, you know, Mohamed Salah was a failed Premier League player who went to, went back to a different league, played well. I will say he wasn't failed. Okay. Chelsea gave up on him pretty quickly because he, he looked, he looked good when I would watch. And I was like, I like this guy. And then they ship him out to Roma. He does well there, comes back, goes to Liverpool and end of story. They almost need what they need to do is like look at players like that, though, players who aren't big yet. And you're going to need to see Arteta coach them up. You know, Mane was not Sadio Mane until he came to Liverpool. You know, he was good on Southampton. He was fast. But Klopp turned him into one of the best wingers in the world. Firmino was just a a, I don't even think he was a striker. I think he was like a, a cam on Hoffenheim in in the Bundesliga. And he gets signed by Liverpool for 28, 29 million. And Klopp turned him into one of the greatest false nines to ever play on Liverpool's side. You know, he, he buys Andy Robertson for $8 million from Hull, a relegated team, and he turns him into the best left back. You know, you, he needs to find, I, I don't know if it's the scouting Liverpool does, but he needs to find players like that. He's not, he's not going to get a world-class player. He's not going to get a Jadon Sancho. He's not going to come here. He's not going to get a Holland. He's not going to get Jao Felix. Like these big-name players that you're going to have to watch other teams sign while you have to try to find the next big star and 
that's what they need to do because that's what they're going to be stuck with. They're not going to be able to sign players who have an opportunity to go to a Liverpool or a Chelsea or a City or even a United or a Tottenham or even, I mean, at this point, even a Leicester. Like, they're going to want to go to those teams more than Arsenal. So you have to find the player that isn't up to their, isn't isn't up to their potential yet. And Arteta, if he's still there, he's going to have to build that. Or to be completely fair, maybe you cut your losses and you try to get Pochettino in there before anybody else does. Because he might be your best bet if you want to look to a coach that could save a team. That's what I would do, too. I, I would go to Mauricio Pochettino and be like, look, we'll give you however much money you want, and we'll let you go out and spend however much you want, and you have free reign of this team. Fix it and see if it works, because it, it's got to work better. He actually has experience, unlike Arteta at the moment. So uh, there goes my manager of the year pick, uh, floundering in 15th. Uh, moving on to Leicester versus at least Brighton. Chris doesn't have a one point. <laughs> that's true <laughs> even though i picked an awful one you still ended up picking the worst one right now so i forget who matt said so i'm uh, not sure where he's at he's probably doing better than either of us um lester three brighton nil uh 27 minutes in james madison scores assisted by vardy then vardy scores 41 minutes in and then in the 44th minute james madison scores assisted by vardy so vardy has a goal and two assists made him player of the match. What was your uh, what's your thoughts on Leicester, Logan, as they are up to third place, just one point behind Spurs and Liverpool? And I feel like we haven't talked enough about them recently. Yeah, the, besides uh, fielding a, an ex-president in the United States, who's probably I mean hundreds of years old. Hundreds of um, years old. Yeah, it's yeah, impressive. He's, yeah, it is. Um, they they look really good too. Uh, between them and Southampton, I think right now those two are threats to the top four. Like when you when you look at teams that are going to be fighting for top four, I wouldn't be shocked to see Southampton and Leicester kind of hanging out there for a little bit longer, just because I think that they've got they've got an attack and because they don't play, you know, uh, is Leicester still there? They didn't make it to Europa, did they? Are they still in? No, they're not in Europa, right? No, they would have, right? They would, they would have got like, didn't they get like uh, fifth place last year? Yeah, but are they or you Lester, mean like if they yeah, qualified? They, I think they qualified. Uh, I'll, I'll double to check Lester while you to Europa. Yeah, are they still in it? Like, oh, they're definitely still in it. I, okay. I, the Europa draw was actually really nice. Uh, has a lot of good matchups. I was gonna say I didn't know if they were. They still got in it or uh, not. Slavia Prague. Yes, so okay. they're still in. That that, that's not a very good matchup. They'll Tottenham got destroyed. Wolfsburger AC. I mean, the Premier League teams worked out pretty well, except for Arsenal got Benfica. <laughs> oh boy! But I mean, any like I think that you know Leicester's Leicester's going to be up there because they've got a really good side. I mean, Vardy's just going to score goals, and and that's that. And the way Madison's playing, using Perez. Um, Barnes when he's played. Uh, I mean, it's just they, they've been firing on all cylinders, kind of like Tottenham had been. Um, and I think Brendan Rodgers has done really well with them. Um, I, I've been impressed just watching them. I think that their attack is something that could benefit them this year um, with goals not coming in bunches like they normally do for some of these top teams. Um, I, I do think that they they are easily there at the end. 
Um, and this was just one of those games where you can just tell they're a much better team, kind of like a. I mean, I just expected them to win this game, and and they did handily. So it was, it, it was, it was a nice performance, and I think that this this shows why Leicester is definitely a threat for that top four, um, along with some guys like Southampton, um, maybe even you know, <clears throat> I don't know. I I don't think West Ham's going to be there for much longer, but who knows at this point. Matt, your thoughts on Leicester uh, facing off against Brighton? Um, not really too many thoughts. I mean, it's a game Leicester should be winning. Um, I I kind of feel as though the reason we don't talk about Leicester enough, maybe, is to the point where they still haven't proven they can. I I just don't think they are. They're definitely a top team, but I don't think they have enough to be better than Liverpool City. I know they beat City 5-2, to two, but Rodgers, when he needs it, just can never get that that three points. And I just, until he proves it, I still think they're in that second tier, you know, battling Europa League more so than Champions League. Because uh, they, they do this every year. I just, they need to be more consistent for me to actually take them any more serious. All right, so that was the games as they stand currently. Uh Goals right now, Dominic Calvert-Lewin still in first with 11, Son with 10, Vardy with 10, Mo Salah with 10, and then Kane in fifth with nine. And that's the that's the only team that has two uh, top goal scorers in the top 10. Yeah. Uh, Jota is, is 12th with five, um, and that's the only other one that has like a second, second striker up there, a second... Uh, Goal score up there. Um, we have matches that are upcoming here. We have uh, this. Uh, well, first, the league, as we were talking about. Tottenham's in first with 25 points. Liverpool in second with 25 points. Leicester in third. Southampton in fourth. But, uh, Leicester has 24 and Southampton has 23. Chelsea in fifth with 22. Then West Ham in sixth with 20th. Everton in seventh with 20th. Then you got United and City, Villa, Palace, United, Wolves, Leeds, Arsenal, Brighton, Burnley, and then in relegation zone, Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield. Uh, you know, Sheffield is eight points from safety as it currently stands. Coming up, uh, we, we'll probably ignore previews this week just with how many games there are. Um, tomorrow, Tuesday the 15th, maybe the day you're listening to this, who knows, 1 p.m., Wolves versus Chelsea. Uh, then you have at 2 p.m. Uh, no, sorry, 3 p.m. Uh, Manchester City versus West Brom. So uh, a chance for Chelsea to kind of get a little bit of a rebound from Everton. The Wolves play pretty well. Uh, City have a good chance to get three points from West Brom. On third uh, on Wednesday the sixteenth, we got Arsenal versus Southampton at one o'clock. Leeds versus Newcastle at one o'clock. Leicester versus Everton at one o'clock. Then Fulham versus Brighton at three. Liverpool Tottenham at three. West Ham Crystal Palace at three p.m. And then on the seventeenth, we have Aston Villa at one. Burnley uh, facing off against Burnley. And then three p.m. Sheffield versus United. Manchester United. Whew. And then uh, then we got the weekend games here. So this is the way we're going to do it here. We're going to talk. Uh, we're not going to have an episode on Friday just because of the quick turnaround from the 
Tuesday through Thursday games and then the weekend games. So we'll we will recap all of these on Monday and we'll do it at a much faster pace than what we just did today. I assure you. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Liverpool at 7:30 on Saturday. Southampton versus Manchester City at 10 a.m. Everton versus Arsenal at 12:30. So chalk that Everton win up right now. Newcastle United versus Fulham at 3 p.m. on Saturday this 19th. Sunday the 20th we have Brighton versus Sheffield. Spurs versus Leicester, United, Manchester United versus Leeds United, West Brom versus Aston Villa. Those games are at 7, 9 15, and 2 15. And then on the 21st, we have at 12 30, Burnley versus Wolves and Chelsea versus West Chelsea versus West Ham at 3 p.m. Whew. Before we go, real quick, we're gonna talk about uh, we're gonna quickly just take a look at the other leagues here. Just as a little update, we do focus on the Premier League, but just uh, going to do a quick little update here. In the Bundesliga, in first place by one point is Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, congrats, Rich. Uh, in the second spot is Bayern Munich with 24 points. In third is RB Leipzig uh, with 24 points. Wolfsburg is in fourth with 21 points, and Dortmund is in fifth with 19. They just fired Lucien Favre uh, from their management. He is relieved. Uh, He's not relieved he lost his job. I mean, he's relieved of his duties. Uh, And then we have, uh, in the relegation zone there, Schalke is in 18th, Mainz is in 17th, and Armenia Biofeld is in 16th. Over in Italy, Serie A, we have AC Milan in first with 27 points. Inter Milan in second with 24 points. Napoli in third with 23 points. And Juventus in fourth with 23 points. With fifth place going to Sassuolo currently. Roma is in sixth. Lazio is in ninth. Atalanta in eighth. uh, For people that are wondering where they are. In the relegation zone right now, Crotone is in 20th, Genoa is in 19th, and Torino in 18th. Uh, any thoughts Those are here sick on names? I like that. <laughs> any, any thoughts here, real quick, Croton. on on Juventus being in in fourth? Seems like a pretty common theme amongst the rest of Europe. It just seems like these but big teams. But we called this one, didn't we? We, we, yeah, we said yeah. somebody else would win the league, and uh, yeah. we're not right yet, uh, but. And I'm ready for I'm ready for something interesting to happen in Champions League with all this stuff. I mean, when I looked across right. the tables, you just look at these tables and go, "What the hell's happening?" Um, it's this year. Like, it's just that's all I can really. I mean, they're backing up against you know part of a season that finished for most of the. I mean, some of the countries are are pretty normal as far as, um, you know, fixtures are concerned, but maybe not. You know, fans might have a, a lot to do with it more so than we thought. But I don't know. It's a mess. Uh, in Liga 1 uh, in France, we have uh, uh, Lille uh, in first with 29 points. Olympic uh, Lyon in second with 29 points. PSG in third with 28 points. And Marseille in fourth with 27 points. Montpellier, uh, Montpellier uh, Giroud's old stomping grounds, is fifth. And Monaco in sixth. In the relegation zone... Uh, Dijon, like the mustard, in 20th. Uh, 19th has Reims, and 18th place has Nimes. Nimes? I don't know. I don't speak French, unfortunately. 
La Liga. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's memes. I don't know. La Liga, we have Real Sociedad in first with 26 points. Atletico Madrid in second with 26 points. Real Madrid in third with 23 points. Villarreal in fourth with 22 points. And Sevilla in fifth with 19. Barcelona is all the way down in eighth with 17 points. But they have a lot of weird games here. So Real Sociedad has 13 games played. And they're tied with Atletico Madrid, who has 11. So Madrid, if Atletico wins, you know, just one of those two games, they're in the top. Real Madrid has one game in hand from Sociedad, and they're three points behind. So theoretically, they could tie Sociedad whenever they make up those games. Barcelona has 11 games played compared to Sociedad's 13. Uh, So they have two points, and... You add six more to their 17 points, and you're at 23, and you're only three off the first. So, while it looks bad table-wise so far, those teams uh, actually have a shot. If you want to know where Valencia is, they're in 12th, as it currently stands. Uh, 18th place is Levante. 19th place is SD Hoiska. And 20th is Osasuna. That's our relegation zone there. So that's your update on those. And real quick, we're just going to talk about the Champions League draw. Manchester City got Borussia Mönchengladbach. How are you feeling about that one, Logan? Really good. Uh, they, they've struggled domestically in, when I watched them play. Are they, are they the ones that played really well against, was it Real Madrid? I think. Yes. Was in their group? Yeah. I, I think City... That's a team they can beat, uh, even with the goal drought. They, they, cities have at least scored in Champions League, and I think that's a game that, or a team that we can easily beat in the round of sixteen. But you know, next round we'll we'll make our exit. Lazio got Bayern. How does Bayern get such an easy draw? It's uh, it's crazy. Uh, Atletico Madrid to Chelsea. I kind of had that feeling that we were going to get them. How do you feel about that? Awful. Call us out. We're not we're not we're not moving on. Guarantee it. <laughs> Guarantee right now that let it go knocks us out. Uh Leipzig gets Liverpool. How you feeling about that one, Matt? That's a that's a wild card. You you alluded to it a bit. Um Yeah, I, I I'm I'm excited because they're a very open team. Uh very similar to Liverpool, actually. I know um Nagelsman, is that the, the coach's name? Is is he the yes. one on Leipzig? I always get him in the the Salzburg. Marsh is on Salzburg, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know he he has been like a a popular Klopp successor rumor. Um, so I, I I'm excited. Liverpool's Champions League this year has been actually pretty exciting because they're facing teams they've never faced. These two have never faced each other. Liverpool never faced. Uh, they've never faced Atalanta before this year. They never faced Midtjylland before this year, and they hadn't faced Ajax since the '60s. Um, so it's actually been pretty exciting to watch them face these newer teams. Um, I honestly think it's a good matchup, too, because they should, if things go well, have players like Tiago and Jota back, um, as well as maybe a signing, a center-back signing in January. Um, I, I, I think they should. It'll be exciting, but I, I think in the end, Liverpool should handle them pretty easily. Uh, we got Porto versus Juve. That's uh, that's good for uh, Weston McKinney, I think, uh, to, to have a good shot at moving on here. 
Um, Barcelona versus PSG. That's another rerun. We've had that one a lot in the last, what, five years or so. Um, let's see here. We have uh, Sevilla versus Dortmund and Atalanta versus Real Madrid. So pretty, pretty interesting matchups here. Those games are going to take place on February 16th. The Leipzig and Liverpool, Barcelona versus PSG. It's February 16th and March 10th. Porto versus Juventus and Sevilla versus Dortmund is February 17th and March 9th. Lazio versus Bayern and Atletico versus Chelsea is February 23rd and March 17th. Mönchengladbach versus City at Atalanta versus Real Madrid is February 24th and March 16th. So... That about wraps us up. That's everything for us this week. So like I said, we're going to come back on uh, probably next Monday, record. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the, the midweek games and the weekend games. We're probably going to break it down team by team where we're going to be talking about uh, all, all the games, not really in order the way we typically do it, where we usually go, okay, here's Tuesday, here's Wednesday. We're probably going to go, okay, let's start with Maybe alphabetical, right? Like Aston Villa, or I guess they're first, right? Aston Villa faced these two teams. What was your thoughts on this game and this game? That might be the way we break it down. We'll, we'll figure it out. But if you want to follow us on Twitter, and if you don't, you should. We're, we're posting highlights. We're posting hot takes. We're doing everything on there. Twitter at Stop It Show. Uh Facebook.com slash Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Email us, Stoppage Time Show at gmail.com or Instagram at Stoppage Time Soccer Show. And that's it. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy all of the soccer games that come to you because we got a lot coming up in the next few weeks. So enjoy those and we'll catch you all next week. Kane has stolen it to death. That's what he's there for. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.